Good evening, TPC family, and welcome to week number two of the Kingdom Come at Home series. I'm at home, and you're at home, or wherever you are. I just want to welcome you here tonight. We're so glad you've decided to tune in and join us here online on our Wednesday night series. Uh, I started a series last week called Kingdom Come at Home. Uh, It's really designed to talk about how we as Christians can experience the Kingdom of God at home versus just on Sunday or on Wednesday night here as we're, we're broadcasting uh, this evening. But really going beyond just Sunday morning, that's, that's really the emphasis I had in week one. So if you missed week one, I'd encourage you to go back either on Facebook or onto our ar- archives on the uh, TPC Family homepage and watch last week because last week you know, I really emphasized the importance of going beyond Sunday morning as Christians. You know, during this this uh, COVID nineteen crisis, one of the things that uh, I believe the Lord is is sort of revealing in this. You know, uh, I don't believe the Lord authored COVID nineteen, but He has allowed it to happen. And in that allowing, uh, I believe the Lord wants to reveal some things to the church. And one of those things that I've heard a lot of Christians talk about, and I believe the Lord is trying to show us as a whole as a church is that we become too dependent on Sunday morning. Now, obviously, I'm not uh, against Sunday morning or or saying we should eliminate Sunday morning. Sunday morning is certainly an aspect of of the Christian walk as far as gathering together. But it is certainly not the only aspect of our Christian walk. And I think for a lot of Christians, uh, they've discovered that in this season, when Sunday morning has been taken away for uh, a few weeks or a month or whatever it may be, that... Uh, Sunday morning has become more of a foundation for their Christian life rather than just an aspect of their Christian life. And that, that is, uh, that's something that we need to really deal with. That's something that we need to be aware of, that we're not building our faith on a once-a-week gathering. Instead, we need to be building our faith on that daily relationship we have with Jesus, and that's really what this Kingdom Come at Home series is all about. Last week, I talked about going beyond Sunday morning. Specifically, there were three things that that I mentioned as far as the importance of going beyond Sunday morning. That as Christians, we need to be aware of, and, and we need to strive to achieve if we're going to grow in our faith with the Lord, if we're going to allow the Lord to grow the influence of the church. You know, especially in our culture right now, our culture is in desperate need of leadership. It's in desperate need of a a people who know the truth, who live the truth, who have a relationship with the truth giver, and can lead others into the truth. But to do that, we have to go beyond Sunday morning. We have to go beyond a faith that is only showing up Sunday morning. It's a faith that has to be around Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday every day of the week. So here are the three keys that I talked about last week, the three keys of going beyond Sunday morning. I said Sunday morning should be a part of our Christian life, not the foundation of our Christian life. Number two, we need a generation of Christians who are raised in Christ, not just raised in the church. Uh, Again, I encourage you to go back to last week if you missed that message and, and look at what I mean by that. What does it mean to be raised in Christ and not just in the church? And then number three, we need to rely more on the Holy Spirit for revelation than on pastors and teachers. Again, uh, if you missed that last week, I encourage you to do that. This week, what I want to talk about is how the Word of God helps us do all three of those things. But in order for the Word of God to do that, we have to be at home, if you will, with the Word of God. And what I mean by that, when I say at home, I mean, obviously, we need to be doing it at home. But we need to be at home in that we are familiar, we're comfortable, we are uh, um, incorporating the Word of God into our daily lives. And it's something that is is part of us. We're, We're... we're familiar with it. It's something that is not foreign to us, and we're very much at home with being in the Word. We're very much at home allowing the Word of God to transform our lives. So that's what I want to focus on uh, this week. Specifically, 
uh, in regards to the Word uh, and this particular message. I want to look at one, one, primarily one scripture this week. I want to break that down and the importance of understanding the power of the Word of God in our lives to transform our lives. And that, that scripture is in Hebrews chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to go to Hebrews chapter 4 starting in verse 12, and actually it's just verse 12. It's just one verse we're going to look at this week, and we're going to break that down into three specific keys uh, on how we can be at home with the Word of God and how the Word of God can transform our lives. So I'll be reading uh, out of the New King James in regards to Hebrews 4.12. You may have a different version, and I'm going to reference a couple different versions as well. So Hebrews 4.12 uh, in the New King James says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now there's a couple other translations that, that translate it this way, uh, that the Word of God is living and active uh, as opposed to living and powerful, but just a different, different way to, to say it. And that last part of the verse where um, the writer of Hebrews says that the Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, uh, another version says it is a revealer of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So what I want to do tonight is I want to take that verse, that one verse, and break it down into three sections. There's really three specific sections that are in this verse that relate to being at home with the Word of God and reveal the power of of the Word of God to transform us on a daily basis and how that helps us go beyond Sunday morning. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for your Word. I thank you for the power of your Word. And Lord, I thank you that the Word of God is the power of God and has that power to transform our lives, to heal our soul, Lord. So tonight, Father, I pray that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, of your ways, of your purposes, of your word, and how it can help us go beyond Sunday morning in becoming uh, the people of influence you've called us to become and experience that transformation of Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So let's let's jump into this. Uh, there's, there's three specific things I want to talk about in regards to uh, three ways we can be at home with the Word of God. And in being at home, we need to understand how the Word of God uh, works in our lives, how the Word of God gets in us, how it transforms us, how it renews our mind. So that that's what I want to look at in the context of Hebrews 4.12. So here are the three ways we can be at home with the Word of God. Number one, first of all, we need to realize that the Word of God is like spiritual medicine and has the power to heal our soul. Number two, uh, we need to realize that the Word of God exposes the lies we believe by revealing the truth of God. And then number three, we need to understand how the Word of God is like a spiritual x-ray in exposing the sin that's in our lives. So it's really important to understand all three of these because if we don't understand how the Word of God does these things, how the Word of God transforms us, then we're not going to be at home with the Word, and we're, we're going to uh, tend to shy away from the Word and just you know relegate it to something we hear on Sunday or Wednesday night or, or whatever, or maybe a Bible study. And that you know that the statistics back that up. You know, Barna Research Group has been been uh, doing research on the church for decades, and one of the things they consistently research is. The aspect of how many Christians are, are reading the Word of God for themselves outside of church. You know, how often they're in the, in the Bible, reading the Bible uh, outside of a church service or some sort of uh, church activity like a Bible study or, or whatever. And the numbers have been consistent for decades. Uh, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, um, and, and it really should be appalling, <laughs> that the vast majority of Christians do not read the Word of God on their own at home at, at all. Um, the only time they read the Word of God 
uh, is either on a Sunday morning, a Wednesday night like right now, or in a Bible study, uh, maybe a small group or, or some other format like that. But they don't do it on their own. They don't uh, have a daily habit of being in the Word of God. And that is a foundational aspect of our Christian life. If we're not consistently in the Word of God every single day, we have no reasonable expectation of experiencing the transforming power of the Word of God, of Jesus, in our lives. Because Jesus said, if you abide in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. Well, part of abiding in Christ is being in His Word. And if we're not in His Word, we're not abiding. And if we're not abiding, we're not going to bear fruit. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And self-control is what everybody's after, right? You know, uh, when it comes to sin or, or, or you know, changing our lives, self-control is what we're looking for. But self-control is not an act of the will. It's not something that's in and of myself. It is a fruit of the Spirit. So unless I'm abiding in Jesus through being in His Word, I cannot experience the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control. And I think a lot of Christians misunderstand that dynamic and how that that process develops in us. Uh, you know, how God builds in us self-control. And, you know, we're just kind of floundering around trying to figure out why can't I get rid of these, these character defects or, or this sin or this proclivity uh, to, to, to these particular habits or whatever. Well, it all comes back to self-control. And the only way you experience self-control is through abiding in Jesus. And one of the key aspects of abiding in Jesus is being in His Word every day, not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday night, like right now, but being in the Word by yourself, for yourself personally, Every single day. So let's let's look at these three these three uh, aspects of being at home with the Word of God. So you can understand how the Word of God can transform your life uh, in a way that you're abiding in Christ, you're bearing fruit, and experiencing that aspect of self control. So number one, the Word of God is like spiritual medicine, and it has the power to to heal our soul. So what, is it, what do I mean by spiritual medicine? Well, and I think I used this illustration a few weeks ago. If, you know, if, let's say if I had pneumonia or, or some other sickness that, you know, that I, I can't get rid of on my own. You know, I can't get rid of pneumonia on my own. I can drink all the chicken soup I want. I'm not going to be able to get rid of that on my own. Well, wh- what do I do? I, you know, I'll go to the doctor. You know, and, and he or she'll write me a prescription, most likely for, for an antibiotic. <clears throat> so I take that prescription, I go to the pharmacy, get that prescription filled, come home, and I've got this little pill bottle inside of these little pills <clears throat> that are chemically alive, if you will. And those pills will do in me what I cannot do in myself in bringing physical healing to my lungs or, or whatever it is I, I need that, uh, that physical healing in regards to the sickness. So what do I need to do? I need to take this pill according to the prescription, whatever that prescription is, one pill a day every day for six weeks, or whatever the particular prescription is. Now, here's the thing. You know, as I say, this, this pill is sort of chemically alive, if you will. Uh, one of the things about the aspect of, of experiencing the, the chemical power, if you will, of an antibiotic or other type of medicine is it's not contingent upon me understanding how it works. I don't need a degree in organic chemistry to, to experience the power of this antibiotic, whatever that you know, medicine is, in order for it to bring healing or do its job to overcome the sickness in my life. I'm not required to fully understand how it all works. I just need to trust. I need to put my faith, if you will, in what the doctor has said, in what this pill can do in order for it to do its job. And I put my faith in it by ingesting it, by taking it, taking the medicine based on the prescription. Now, I know when I take that pill for the very first time, that first pill is not going to miraculously get rid of every single thing in an instant. It's a process. I need to take that pill 
every day, once a day, every day for six weeks or whatever the prescription says. So I do that and I take it every day, every day for six weeks. And over time, that little chemically alive pill does its thing in me and all of a sudden I begin to experience the healing of that sickness, that physical sickness in my lungs or whatever it is. So, you know, in, in regards to a physical sickness, you know, we have these physical medications and, and that type of thing. Um, but in regards to our, our lives on the spiritual level, uh, we have a spiritual sickness called sin. And we all suffer from that. If you're born on earth, which I'm sure everybody listening to me right now is, <laughs> uh, if you're born on earth, you're born with sin. Uh, it, it's a spiritually genetic disease that we all inherit when we're born. It's just, it's passed on. There's nothing we can do about it. Well, just like that physical sickness, either pneumonia or whatever it is that I have, uh, I don't have any power to get rid of it on my own. Well, it's the same thing with sin sickness. I don't have any power to overcome sin sickness in my life. It's a spiritual, I don't have any power to do that. Uh, and I can try all the different things I want, you know, uh, that's that's what religion really is, is about, is me trying to overcome sin through rules and regulations. Well, that doesn't work. Uh, and I can try it all I want, but it doesn't work. The only person who has power over sin is Jesus. Uh, he's the only one who's defeated sin. So when it comes to the aspect of healing myself from sin, uh, number one, I got to recognize I don't have that power. Only Jesus has that power. Number two, the prescription, if you will, that Jesus gives us to overcome that sin, number one is the gospel. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the gospel here in, in, as we as we go forward. But in this particular instance, I really want to focus on the word of God. So number two is the word of God. See, the word of God is living and active, uh, is what we just read here in, in Hebrews 4.12. It's living and active. It is spiritually alive. Just like that little pill I talked about a minute ago is chemically alive, the Word of God is spiritually alive and has the power to heal my soul. Now, that physical sickness is in a specific area in my body, whether, you know, if it's pneumonia, it's in my lungs. Well, sin sickness... Uh, isn't somewhere in my physical body, it's in my spiritual part, which we call the soul. That's where sin resides. My soul has been infected with that sin sickness. <clears throat> so what, what the Word of God does is it begins to bring healing to my soul. Now, when I say your soul, what I'm talking about is your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's you. It's, your, it's who you are. <clears throat> you know, this isn't me. This is my body. I'm on the inside. Uh, just like you, you're on the inside. Uh, but it, the soul is a spiritual aspect, uh, a spiritual side of us. So what I need is something that's not chemically alive, because chemically alive things only affect the physical body. I need something that's spiritually alive, that can heal that spiritual side of me, that soul side of me. And that's what the Word of God does. It's like spiritual medicine. It gets in you and does in you what you cannot do in yourself. You know, uh, in, in the uh, Gospel of John, John says that Jesus is the living Word of God. <clears throat> so when we talk about the Word of God, I'm talking about, you know, Jesus and the Word and, and the fact that Jesus is the Word of God. He's the living Word of God. <clears throat> and abiding, that's why abiding in Jesus is synonymous with being in the Word of God because the two are one. So, in regards to sort of a prescription to overcome the, the spiritual sickness that I have, that's one of the things that, that Jesus, the great physician we call him, gives me, which is abiding in him, which is being in his word, taking a, a dose, if you will, of the word of God every single day. Just like I had to take a dose of, of the medicine, whether it be uh, antibiotics or whatever, I need to take a dose of the Word of God every single day. Now, also like with that, that medicine, uh, I don't need a degree in organic chemistry in order for that medicine to 
to overcome the physical sickness in my body, neither do I need a degree in theology or to fully understand how the Word of God works in order for it to work in me and bring healing to my soul. Because, you know, one of the one of the things that I, I've talked with Christians about is, you know, why are you not reading the Word of God every day? And, you know, a lot of Christians will say, well, hey, either, you know, I either I used to or, you know, I tried and, and I just didn't get anything out of it. <clears throat> of course, I'll ask them, well, what were you looking for? And what really is the hindrance for people is they say, look, you know, I go in and I read the Word of God and I don't get anything out of it like I hear Pastor Jeff preaching or I hear Tony Everett's preaching or I hear whoever, you know, I read this person's book or listen to this person on the radio or, or you know, I hear this person's sermon. I don't get anything like that at all when I read the Word of God. Well, Obviously, you know, Tony Evans uh, and uh, Pastor Jeff and, and all these others have degrees in theology and, and they've been reading the Word for a long time, so they've, they've learned the theology over time. <clears throat> but, again, the aspect of experiencing the healing power of the Word of God is not dependent on on your understanding of all the theology that's in there in the beginning. Now, that will grow. You know, the more you spend time in the Word, the more you'll begin to understand. But the healing power of the Word of God is not contingent upon that. And, and this is really one of the, one of the things that uh, the enemy really uses against Christians to keep them out of the Word of God. Because it's interesting, the, the enemy understands the power of the Word of God more than Christians do. And that's why he works so hard to keep us out of the Word of God. So one of the tactics the enemy uses is, you know, somebody to go and start reading the Word of God, and, and as they get in there, they don't understand or they don't seem to get anything out of it. So, you know, the enemy says, look, you're obviously not smart enough to be in here and reading the Word, so why don't you just let your pastor do it for you? You just listen to your pastor on Sunday, or, or to read Dr. Tony Evans' books, or listen to, your, to somebody on the radio, whatever. You just stay away from it. You let the professionals handle the Word of God. And that's just a lie. That's, that's not what Jesus meant when he said, you need to abide in me and, and, and in my Word. <clears throat> when you go to the Word of God, the number one thing, that, the number one goal of the Word of God is not first to inform you, it's to transform you. <clears throat> and as you begin to experience the transforming power of the Word of God, then you begin to experience the informing power of the Word of God. We want to reverse those and say, hey, if I don't get the information, I can't be transformed, and it's just the opposite. You can't get the information until you're transformed. And I'm not talking about total transformation, I mean the process. As you experience more and more of the transforming power of the Word of God, you begin to understand more and more of the informing power of the Word of God. So we need to make sure we put those in the right order. And, and it really comes down to faith. You know, a few minutes ago I talked about the, the aspect of I put my faith in that little pill. I don't understand how it works. I don't have a degree in organic chemistry, but I take it by faith, believing what, the, what my doctor said and what uh, this pill says it's going to do. Well, it's the same thing with the Word of God. <clears throat> I need to put my faith in the Word of God that my doctor, the great physician, Jesus, says that it has the power to heal my soul. It is spiritually alive. It is living and active. And if I will take it, now obviously I don't, I don't rip the pages out and eat them, but I read it and I listen to it on a daily basis basis, on a consistent basis. And over time, by putting my faith in what Jesus has said, I, I personally have experienced the power of the Word of God to transform my life. And you can too. You can experience the power of the Word of God to transform your life, to overcome that sin sickness. And over time, you will see the power of sin diminish in your life and the power of Jesus increase in your life. It's a guarantee. It's 100% uh, guarantee is that that will happen because Jesus said it will happen. And if 
if Jesus is true, if he is God, and if what he says is true, then it's going to happen. And I'm telling you, it will happen. It does happen, and it can happen for you. That's why, you know, at Turning Point, one of the things we we really in, um, emphasize and stress is the importance of every being, everybody being on a one-year reading plan. Uh, you know, I've been doing that for years. Pastor Jeff has been doing that for years. And here's why. <clears throat> a one-year reading plan does three important things for you. Number one, it gives you structure. It tells you what to read every day. You know, the, the Bible is a very daunting book. And if you don't know where to start, you know, most people tend to lean on their favorite verse, lean on their favorite chapter or favorite book. But for the most part, they, they don't really um, dive into the, the totality, the whole counsel of God. Well, as believers, we have to do that. We have to get the whole counsel of God. <clears throat> and, and other believers, they'll go in and, you know, maybe they jump into Leviticus. And if you jump into Leviticus, and you, don't, you know, if you don't have a plan, <laughs> you're not getting out. So um, one of the great things about a one-year plan is it gives you structure. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to get through Leviticus, but you're going to eventually get through Leviticus if you just follow the structure, if you just follow the plan, just read what it says every day. Now, one-year plan in general is about three to four chapters a day. Uh, if that's too much, then start with one chapter a day. If that's too much, start with one paragraph a day. Just start somewhere and build towards that. In my opinion, a one-year plan is the absolute minimum amount of Bible reading you need every day in order to grow as a Christian. Now, when I say read, I mean, I'm also including listening. Uh, You know, one of the things I do with my one-year plan is I'll listen to my one-year plan, and then I also do some reading on my own as well. Um, Listening is just as effective as reading. Uh, So, you know, if if you struggle with reading and you need to develop that, well, listen to it. You know, there's so many great apps now. You can listen on your phone and just plug it into the car. You know, if you spend 10 minutes in the car, that'll be enough to get you through at least one or two chapters. And just plug it into the car. Plug some earphones in and go for it. Uh, you're walking through Walmart. The last thing you need to do, uh, uh, the last thing you, you know, the best thing you need in Walmart is probably listening to the Word of God as you're, you know, going around shopping and doing all this other stuff. Uh, it's easy by listening to get through three to four chapters a day uh, in the Word of God. So I encourage you to do that. So that's that's one of the things that a one-year plan does for you. Number one, it gives you structure. Uh, number two, it creates what, what I call a baseline. Um, a baseline in regards to like a prescription, You don't, we don't really think of it this way, but when it says take one pill a day every day for six weeks, that's a baseline. Uh, what I mean by that is I know if I don't take one pill a day every day for six weeks, I'm not going to get enough of this medication to experience the healing that I need to overcome the sickness. Well, it's the same thing with the Word of God. Uh, again, uh, as I said a minute ago, I believe a one-year plan is the minimum you should be getting in order to, to guarantee consistent growth over time in your life. So a one-year plan gives you a baseline, a minimum amount of word that you should read every day. And again, in my opinion, if you will read that baseline amount every day consistently over time, that's not perfection. You know, if you miss a day, just pick it up the next day. Uh, So I'm not talking about perfection. I'm just talking about consistency. And if you're consistent with that over time, you're going to experience that spiritual medicine the healing power of the Word of God to begin to overcome those sinful habits, those sinful temptations, uh, the sinful character flaws, the the bad thinking, all that's going to be begun to experience the healing power of Jesus in your life. So so number one, it gives you structure. Number two, it creates that baseline. Then number three, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it gets you through the entire Bible every year. You know, as I mentioned, uh, you know, people tend to have their favorite verses or favorite chapters or favorite books. Uh, but we do need to hear the whole counsel of God. Uh, not only do most Christians not read the Bible, most Christians have never read the entire Bible at any time in their life. So, I man, I cannot tell you how important it is to be on a one-year reading plan. 
and there's a million of them out there. You can get them on the apps on your phone. You can go to a, a Christian bookstore and get a one-year Bible that just is laid out in a one-year format. Uh, and you're saying, you know, you may be saying, hey, look, it's August, you know, 5th, August, what, 19th. Um, and I'll just wait till January. Well, no, <laughs> don't wait till January. Start today. Your one year can start today on August 19th. Uh, or if you want to wait till Sunday, don't wait till Sunday. Start today, <laughs> August 19th. Um, and the aspect of this particular uh, discipline, it's important to start right where you are. Don't, don't wait for the first of the month. Don't wait for Monday. Don't wait for January 1st. Just start today. Uh, you know, if you, if you want to pick up in the middle of, of a one-year plan, you know, whatever chapter you're supposed to be on based on a full one-year plan on, you know, August 19th, this is when this is airing, um, do that. Uh, you can start in Genesis, and then you can pick up again in, in January. Don't get caught up in the perfection as perfectionistic aspect of it. Just get in the Word of God. That's the most important aspect of it, is do the the habit of being in the Word of God every single day. So that's that's the aspect of the Word of God being spiritual medicine to heal your soul. So that's number one. So let's look at number two. Number two, the Word of God exposes the lies we believe by revealing the truth of God. Now this is this is really important. <clears throat> you know that that first aspect of Hebrews four twelve says the Word of God is living and active. That's that spiritual medicine aspect. But it goes on to say also that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing between soul and spirit. Well, here's the thing about the gospel. When when you say yes to Jesus, when you ask Jesus for his forgiveness, and you know, as Romans said, if you, you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart uh, that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. You, you know, you, you will experience the salvation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When that happens, what happens is uh, Jesus takes that sin core, that sin uh, nature that we were born with, and he replaces it with his righteousness at the very core of our spirit. Our spirit, for the very first time, becomes alive. And we become spiritually alive for the very first time. And the Holy Spirit comes and indwells with our spirit. Uh, Peter says we become partakers of the divine nature. So the very first time in our lives, we, we become spiritually alive. So when it comes to the Word of God, exposing lies and revealing truth, here, here's how that works. The Gospel replaces that old identity that we had in our sin and gives us a brand new identity that is tied to Jesus. Uh, our rights, that's where our righteousness comes from. Uh, you know, uh, Paul says that he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We become righteous because of our relationship with Jesus in, in, in the gospel. And it's, it's, it's finished, as, as, as Jesus said on the cross. It is finished. We have been made righteous. We don't become righteous in the sense that we have to work hard at becoming more righteous. No, we've been made righteous by Jesus through the gospel. Our spirit has been completely transformed and is fully righteous in his sight. Now, the, the challenge for a Christian is, our spirit has been completely transformed and has that full righteousness of Christ, and that dwells in us. The challenge is our soul still has those old lies that we've believed because of that old sin. And that's why, as a Christian, we can still sin because we're still believing a lie rather than fully believing the truth. Well, the process of sanctification, see, justification is that aspect of Jesus coming in, removing that sin core, replacing it with his righteousness, and we're fully justified in God's sight. 
But the sanctification process is what Paul talks about when he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's the aspect of the transformation of our soul, of the way we think, the way we feel, and the way we act. That's that's that sanctification process, and that's a lifelong process. Uh, This is what Jesus meant when he said, if you abide in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. This is where the abiding has to come in. Because as we grow in our walk with the Lord, the more and more our soul is transformed. The more and more we think like Christ. The more and more we act like Christ. And the more and more our feelings no longer dictate our actions. So when it comes to the Word of God and it dividing between soul and spirit like that two-edged sword, what happens is as the Word of God gets in you, and you you make that commitment to a daily time in the Word of God, and I hope you've made that commitment tonight to to, uh, pick up a a one-year reading plan starting tonight. Uh, And as you do that, over time, what happens is the Word of God divides between soul and spirit. It divides between the lies that we believe in our soul and the truth that resides in our spirit. And it it exposes those two uh, by revealing the truth. The best way to expose a lie is to reveal the truth. Because you don't really know a lie is a lie until it's compared to the truth. And the Word of God is the truth of God. And as the Word of God gets in you, and the more truth gets in you, it begins to expose the lies that we believe about ourselves. And you know, one of the one of the things about Christianity is, and I mentioned this last week, Christianity is not a behavior modification program. It's a character transformation process. <clears throat> and it's really important to understand that because in the process of transformation, in the process of the Word of God transforming us and exposing these lies by revealing the truth, is we need to understand that righteousness is not the absence of sin. And here's what I mean by that. For many Christians, we focus so much on stopping the bad, but we don't focus on being transformed by the good. <clears throat> we think that if, if I can just stop the, the sin that's in my life, then I'll be good. Well, that's not true. Because righteousness is not the absence of sin, it's the presence of Jesus. And the only way you can overcome the sin in your life is not through hard work, but through abiding in Jesus. Because the more the presence of God builds in your life, the less and less power sin has over your life. So righteousness is the presence of Jesus, it's not the absence of sin. So as Christians, we again, we spend so much time trying to stop the sin where we should be spending more time abiding in the presence of Jesus. Because if we abide in the presence of Jesus, His presence will overcome the power of sin. And we'll see sin decrease more and more in our lives. So instead of focusing on the bad, we need to focus on the good. And ultimately, the the... The biggest lie that we believe about ourselves, uh, all of us do, is we're just not good enough. We're not worthy. And that is a lie of the old sin nature that has told us that we're, we're not good enough, that we have to earn our favor with God, that, um, you know, Pastor Jeff may be good or Dr. Tony Evans may be good, but me, lowly old me, no, I'm just not good enough. And that is a lie. That's a lie that we believe about ourselves. It is, it is a, uh, a remnant, if you will, or a shadow of the old sin nature that has died with Christ, as, as the Bible tells us. <clears throat> the truth is, we've been made alive in the righteousness of God, and we have been made worthy. So ultimately... The lie that is exposed and the truth that is revealed is our identity. That's really what it comes down to. It's our identity. Do I believe the old identity that I'm worthless, that I'm no good, or do I believe the new identity that I've been made worthy, that I have been made good? That That's what it comes down to. And the only way we begin 
to walk in this new identity. This gospel identity, that's what that is. That's the gospel identity. The gospel has been has made us righteous, has made us worthy. The only way I walk in that is through the transforming power of the Word of God to expose the lie that I still believe that I'm just not good enough and reveal the truth that I've been made good, that I've been made worthy. <clears throat> and that's a process that takes time. But the only thing that has the power to uh, bring that process about in our lives is us abiding in Jesus and in His Word. So that's what I mean when I say that the Word of God exposes the lies we believe by revealing the truth. And the ultimate lie is, I'm not worthy. And the only way I overcome that lie is through the presence of Jesus, through the presence of His Word, through abiding in His Word. The more I abide in the Word of God, the more it reveals the truth that I have been made worthy and overcomes the lie that I'm not worthy. And that's why it's so important to be in the Word of God every day. And the more we do that, the more we become at home with the Word of God. <clears throat> and it's really important to understand that. And it's really important to walk in that gospel identity because as we move into number three, we're going to see another aspect of, of, the, of what the Word of God does. And if we're not walking in the gospel identity, we're going to really struggle with number three. So let's move on to number three. Number three is we have to understand how the Word of God is like a spiritual x-ray in exposing sin. So in, in the aspect of uh, spiritual x-ray... You know, again, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. You know, if, if uh, you know, I'm not feeling well or whatever, I go to the doctor and, and the doctor does an x-ray. Well, what is, what is an x-ray? An x-ray exposes what's going on inside of me that I can't see. <clears throat> so, you know, my doctor puts up on the, the lit screen there, the x-ray, and she begins to go through all the different aspects of what has been exposed by the x-ray, and, you know, maybe there's something on the x-ray. She says, hey, this is not good. There's something in you that's, that is taking away your health, that is dangerous to you. I need to go in and get it. I need to bring healing uh, to you. Well, that's, that's what an x-ray does. It, it exposes something that we can't see. And a doctor, you know, again, the doctor doesn't expose those things to condemn us. You know, if you've got a doctor that comes in and he says, hey, you're a loser, you've got this stuff going on, you need a new doctor, because <laughs> that's not their job. You know, the doctor comes in, shows the x-ray, you know, she says, hey, this is in you, I want to get it out, because my goal is for you to be healthy. Well, it's the same thing with God. There's spiritual sickness in us, there's, there's lies that we believe about ourselves, there's these old sin patterns that are still there, sort of shadows of the old sin nature, that are still in us, that God wants to get out of us. But in order for him to get them out of us, he needs to expose them, sort of like a spiritual x-ray. And that's where the Word of God comes in. And that's that last part of Hebrews 4.12 that says that uh, it is the Word of God is a discerner or a revealer of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So like a spiritual x-ray, the more you get into the Word of God, the more it's going to expose the lies that you believe. And not just the ultimate lie, which is I'm not good enough, but other lies that you believe about yourself, about others, about circumstances, about God, uh, and all those things. It's, it's like a spiritual x-ray. The Lord brings this stuff to the surface. Not to condemn you over it, but to heal you of it. And this is where the gospel identity comes in. Now, in number two, I talked about the aspect of you know the, the Word of God revealing the lie by exposing the truth. And the ultimate lie is, is the old identity of I'm not good enough. Where the gospel identity is I've been made good enough. I've been made worthy. <clears throat> now, if, if you're not walking in the gospel identity and, and believing that, hey, no matter what I see on a spiritual x-ray, it does not affect the fact that I've been made worthy. That's what the gospel... See, the, the great thing about the gospel is it's not affected by sin. If I mess up, my worthiness does not change. 
Now, it, it'll hinder my, my fellowship with the Lord, but it does not hinder my righteousness because I've been made righteous by Jesus. I still need to get before the Lord and, and admit, hey, you know, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I messed up here. And, and I ask for your forgiveness. And, and, you know, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. <clears throat> and that's, that's that aspect of that ongoing fellowship. But in regards to the identity, uh, my identity is not tied to my behavior. It's tied to Jesus. It's tied to the gospel. <clears throat> so when I am grounded in the gospel identity, then I'm in a position where God can reveal those deep spiritual truths, the lies I believe, the sin that's still in me. Uh, and he knows that I'm not going to allow it to be a commentary on my worth. And, and this is where it gets really hard in, in being in the Word of God every day. And I think part of what happens with Christians is they get in the Word, it begins to do its job, exposing the lies, being a spiritual x-ray, and people don't like what they see because they're not fully walking in the gospel identity, and they think that they're being condemned. But they're not. God's not bringing it to the surface. He's not showing you the spiritual x-ray to condemn you. He's showing it to you to heal you, just like the doctor. You know, she comes in, shows the x-ray. <clears throat> She's not doing it to condemn you. She's doing it so she can bring healing. And that's what God wants to do. He brings this thing, these things to the surface and says, Hey, this is in you. I want to get it out so you can be healed. But again, that is dependent on the gospel identity. I have to be walking in that gospel identity in order for God to be able to do this. You know, oftentimes what happens is, um, you know, there's things the Lord wants to reveal to us, but we're not ready for that revelation because he knows we're not fully walking in that gospel identity, so he waits. Uh, it's sort of like, you know, if, if you have a, a computer at home and, you know, it's like I, I have a, a Mac, uh, MacBook, and every year uh, Apple puts out a new software update. And inevitably with those software updates come new features. And, you know, some of those new features are really good and, and there are things that I would like to be able to use on my, my computer. However, they're contingent on me updating the software. Uh, I can't use the new feature on the old software. Unless I, I'm willing to upgrade the software, I can't use the new feature. Well, it's the same thing spiritually, so to speak. Uh, unless we allow God to upgrade our thinking, to upgrade how much we're walking in the gospel identity, He can't reveal some of these things in us to get them out of us, to, for us to walk more freely than we are right now, because he knows if I, if he exposes those things, he knows we're not fully walking in a gospel identity, and we're going to look at them as condemnation rather than a pathway to healing. So we have to allow God to upgrade, if you will, our spiritual software. It's just the way we think. Uh, the renewing of our mind, as Paul talks about. Uh, and, it, and really, you know, it's an aspect of what Jesus said um, when he says, you don't put new wine in old wineskins. Well, God's not going to give us a new revelation if we're thinking an old, with an old thinking pattern. We have to allow God to transform our thinking pattern in order for him to expose some of these things. So I, I believe that for, for some of us, you know, we keep walking in these, these sinful patterns over and over again because we're not allowing God to upgrade our thinking. We're not allowing God to increase our, our, our view of our identity in the gospel. And he knows if I expose these things and the reason behind them, uh, it, it's going to condemn the person and it's going to drive them away. So he's waiting for us to get deeper into the word of God to, train, to change the way we think. Because it is progressive uh, in, in the aspect of, you know, the more you get into the Word of God, the more it transforms the way you think. And the more you're transformed in the way you're thinking, the more it exposes the lies we believe, as far as the ultimate lie, that I, I, I'm not worthy. And reveals that we've been made worthy. 
And the more and more we realize that we've been made worthy, the more and more God can go deeper in us with that spiritual x-ray to bring up this stuff that he wants to heal. And the more we experience healing, the more freedom we experience in our life and, and the, the more Christ-like we become and the freer we become to become the ambassadors of the kingdom of God that he's called us to be. That's why it's so important to be at home with the word of God. So as I wrap this up, you know, again, last week I talked about going beyond Sunday morning. <clears throat> well, in order to go beyond Sunday morning, we have to be transformed. And we're transformed by the Word of God and abiding in Jesus. But in order to be transformed by the Word of God, we have to be at home with the Word of God. <clears throat> and being at home with the Word of God, meaning being comfortable and doing it at home, um, also means we have to understand what the Word of God does and how it transforms us. Uh, specifically, those, those three ways. Number one, we have to realize that the Word of God is like spiritual medicine and has the power to heal our soul. Uh, we do it by faith. We just put my faith in what Jesus said, that if I abide in Him and He in me, I will bear much fruit, part of which is self-control. I just do it. I just do it by faith. I don't need to understand all the theology. I don't need to understand all the information. I just need to do it. So that's number one. Number two, uh, we need to realize that the Word of God exposes the lies we believe by revealing the truth of God. Of course, the ultimate lie is, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. And the truth is, I've been made worthy. And the more we allow the Word of God to expose that lie that, yeah, you know what, I really do believe that I'm just not worthy, and reveal the truth that I've been made worthy, the more and more we walk in the gospel identity. And that's important for number three, is we need to understand how the Word of God is like a spiritual x-ray in exposing sin. <clears throat> it gets into us. It reveals, it's a revealer or a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So it gets in us and it gets that deep stuff up uh, and shows us, hey, this is why you have a proclivity to, you know, whatever it is that you're struggling with. Um, but God won't do that, or he doesn't do it to the depth that he needs to until we're walking in that gospel identity, um, because we'll take it as condemnation. So that's, that's the aspect of the Word of God. Uh, and those are the three, three uh, keys to being at home with the Word of God in order to be transformed by the Word of God in order to go beyond Sunday morning. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus name Lord, again, I just I thank you for your Word. Lord, I thank you for your, your, your Holy Spirit in, in using the Word of God to be spiritual medicine. Lord, to reveal the lies and to be that spiritual x-ray in our life to, to bring transformation and healing that we need to overcome the, the ultimate lie that we believe that we're not, not, we're not good enough, we're not worthy. Uh, and, and Lord, I just pray that everybody who hears this, Lord, would make a commitment tonight to, to take up a, a one-year reading plan starting tonight, not wait till tomorrow or next week or next year, would start immediately and allow the Word of God to transform them. And they would make the commitment to abide in you and you and them in order that they would bear much fruit. And Lord, I thank you for doing it. In Jesus' name, amen.